Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua. Today is Friday, April 21, 2023. And on this Friday, as we do any Friday in which I can arrange the recording setup, we have a live Q&A show. It works just like talk radio. You call in, talk about anything that you want, ask any questions, make any comments. It is open to you. You are the one who drives the show and the show topics. If you would like to join me on our Friday Q&A show, you can do that by becoming a patron of the show. Go to patreon.com slash radicalpersonalfinance, patreon.com slash radicalpersonalfinance. Sign up to support the show there, and that will gain access for you to a Friday Q&A show. We begin with Nick in New York. Nick, welcome to the show. How can I serve you today? Thank you, Joshua. Um, for the last four or five years, I have been using Wealthfront uh, as a robotic advisor for my non-tax advantaged account. And I started it because I like the lower, let's say, um, overhead that they charge, which is 0.25%. And um, I don't really know how to invest myself. So I just thought I would just give it my risk profile and then it would invest. And I, I feel like it has done well. Um, but after five years and after the account has become you know, more sizable than it used to be, um, I was wondering, you know, if you if you advise people for or against uh, these robo advisors. I usually avoid taking a position on that in some ways similar to the position that I avoid taking on DIY investing versus working with a, a traditional personal advisor. Uh, it's not that I couldn't make arguments one way or the other, but as I look at it, in order to decide what's right for one person and what's right for another, you have to gain quite a lot of details about the person's financial situation. You have to ask for quite a lot of details about the uh, the, what's you know what's going on, what their interests are, what their plans are, etc., and then get a good idea. Think of it like this. Um, do you, Nick, change your own oil on your car? I don't. Why don't you? Why do you pay for that to be done? Uh, 
For multiple reasons, I think if I ever want to sell the car, I want there to be a record that I've done, you know, regular oil changes. And I guess there's no record when you do them yourself. Okay. Uh, and also because I guess of the part of this is, of course, the hassle. Like I understand how to do it. I can watch YouTube videos that will tell me how to do it. But sometimes it's just easier to bring it to someone. Right. Right. So it's an imperfect example because we're talking about a huge difference in money. If you've got a million dollars under management and you're going to be paying, uh, you know, 50 basis points or 100 basis points or whatever you're paying in terms of fees to whomever is helping you with that versus the cost of an oil change. So let's acknowledge that up front. But the reason I indicate that is it, it's a decent metaphor. Most of us have cars. Our cars need their oil changed, generally speaking, uh, but not all of them. And so we can we can learn from this metaphor for a moment and apply some of these things to the decision of uh, whether we should work with a financial advisor. The process of changing your oil is actually eminently simple. Anybody can do it. You just simply go buy an oil filter, buy oil, you put a pan under the car, you drop the oil filter out, you drain the oil from the engine, you put a new filter on, you fill it up with oil, and you're done. And it's very, very simple and straightforward to do. But just because it's simple and straightforward to do doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for everyone to do uh, for himself. First, you have to have appropriate equipment. And so what is that equipment? Well, it can be simple. It can just be a bucket, literally almost any bucket. But then you have to figure out, what do I do with the oil? Do I get a bucket that's big enough if I mess things up? You have to go and make sure you have an oil wrench for your car. You have to stockpile the stuff. You might want to get some jack stands or some ramps to make it a little easier. Where are you going to get the oil from? How much are you going to actually save, etc.? And then as you said, well, maybe there's value of having someone else looking at my stuff. A lot of people take their car to the dealership and what they want to do is have the oil changed so they have a record of it being changed regularly at the dealership but they also uh, they also want to make sure that there's other mechanics around and they can have other things fixed while they're there they can have other questions answered etc and so the similar a similar thing happens with financial advice anybody can manage his or her own money. You don't need a financial advisor of any sort. Anybody can do it. But whether you should or should not manage your money becomes an intensely personal thing based upon what you like doing with your time. Do you enjoy going out there and working on the car or do you not enjoy that? Is that a, is a leisure activity for you or is it a chore? Uh, it, it matters whether how much it's going to cost you, how much the oil is. If an oil change is $300 versus $65, a lot more people would change their oil. Uh, and and I'm not going to go on and on with examples, but if you think about the example of changing your own oil, you recognize anybody can change their own oil, so why doesn't everybody do that? So what I would look at is I would say, start with an overview of your situation. You look down and you say, how am I doing financially? Uh, where are my biggest opportunities? How am I doing? And then how did I come to my current financial investing strategy? What is the best, uh, what is best for me based upon where I'm at right now? Am I willing to go and learn more? Am I happy with the strategy of having this done automatically by a robo-advisor? What is the impact to me of saving the money? How much money can I actually save? Am I willing to go out and learn from it? Do I want and need a higher service model where I pay even more money to get higher service? Or do I want to switch to a different model where I pay less money to get something simpler and more straightforward? And if you think about the answers to those questions and you calculate the costs and you review the latest performance data, you review the, the promotional uh, literature from Wealthfront, from the other 
competitors, etc., then you'll feel well to make an informed decision. I don't think there's a wrong decision in it. If you come to me and you say, hey, I'm really enjoying and appreciating the use of this robo-advisor, great, fine, wonderful, it's the right decision. I'm not saying it's wrong. If you say I wanna get rid of this robo-advisor and go to something even cheaper because I wanna save these few basis points that they're charging me, great, okay, that's fine. If you say I wanna go to a financial advisor, great. And so it sounds, it may sound a little wishy-washy, but I see it as, as important to look at what's the actual cost to me, who am I as a person, what services do I want and need and value, and then how do I take that to the marketplace and make an informed decision? Right. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that um, I had called you a few months ago and I asked you about how does one break into investing, you know, what book should I read? And I, in fact, did buy a book, but I quit after chapter three or four because I had, I thought I had kind of you know, better uses of my time. So okay. um, I feel like I understand the benefits of this robo-advisor because I've been using it for four or five years. I guess I was just asking whether there are any obvious downsides that you, know, that you knew about since this is your area of expertise, the more general you know, personal finance and investment. The downside with all investment solutions is that you pay for them. And the performance of an investment solution depends largely on the time period under which you hold it. So if we, I have not reviewed the Wealthfront promotional literature in years, nor have I tried mm -hmm. to keep tabs on what they're doing or what they're charging. Do you, do you know how much they're charging you on your account? Yeah, it's a flat 0.25. Okay. So obviously a flat 0.25% expense ratio is a lot cheaper than what you would pay with an individual personal financial advisor. But it's more expensive than what you would pay with just simply buying the mutual funds uh, themselves. Right. And even, the, even buying a mutual fund is more expensive than what you would pay for just buying the stocks themselves. So it's, I really want to give you an answer, but I have to be honest. And, th and that honest answer is, I don't really care. All I care about is that you like what you're doing and that you're comfortable with sticking with it. Uh, it's mm -hmm. to, to, And in terms of the overall performance, a company like Wealthfront has to do a better job of justifying its fees to you than, for example, many fin individual financial advisors. And that's a, good, that's a good thing. It's good to have the pressure on them that they have to justify their fees. But the relative performance or overperformance or underperformance and trying to figure out as the performance nexus of the fees depends on long-term market cycles more than it does on what has happened over the last say five years that you may have been in the in the, in it so the future right. very clearly involves this kind of automated uh, trading uh, this is i think i I mean, I've been out of the financial, the, the inside business for a while, but I would be pretty confident saying that this technology is now basically standard issue broadly across at least large financial planning firms. Uh, this is now like this is this is standard. So mm -hmm. it's not that there's a problem with it. I'm not upset about paying it, but you should take a look at your own account and then 
compare it to what your hypothetical alternative is and see, hey, would I save? How much would I have, how much would I have performed if I weren't paying this 0.25% expense ratio? Uh, do I feel happy with the fact that this is being done and automatically rebalanced for me? I don't have an opinion on what you should do. I would just encourage you to make a, an informed decision as you're doing. The fact that you bought a book on investing and didn't love it and weren't that interested in it is a good sign to you that some form of simple automated uh, approach is a good is, a, is probably a very good fit for you. And you probably should continue with that in mind, recognizing this is a standardized automated approach of some kind, and thus it's probably the best for me. Right. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I think that I would probably, if I were to move, um, you know, um, I would be hesitant to take, you know, more uh, um, more responsibility on myself. So I would move towards something else. And like you said, uh, unless I just move um, uh, horizontally to another robot advisor, then I would be moving to a person, and then the rate, uh, the overhead would increase substantially. That's my understanding. Yeah, and there's a good chance that your portfolio is not at the at the range yet of which a person would would even particularly be helpful to you. So uh, that's what I love. I mean, the the great thing. Let me let me just speak positively about Wealthfront and about this industry in general. In the United States, we are so blessed to have such a range of great options that serve small and medium-sized investors. And this is the market at work, in, in, and it has provided these solutions in a really strong and powerful way. And so we are all better off that these solutions exist because they help people who are coming up financially to get great world-class investment products at a very low cost. And automated software-based solutions like Wealthfront and other robo-advisors allow you to have a high quality product when your account values are not high enough to attract the attention of a financial of a, of a personal financial advisor and so i think it's it's a wonderful thing and i'm glad they exist it, it has helped immensely to to bring value to the investment market marketplace great great anything else um, i have one more question yeah mm -hmm. i have one more question at the time um mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. I have heard that in previous shows, people have asked you questions about umbrella insurance. Um, and I'm, I'm an outsider to the general field of, field of uh, insurances. So, you know, I have a, a term life insurance and that's about it. Good. I was wondering if you could give me like, you know, the elevator pitch of what is an umbrella insurance and who should look for one. The primary reason you buy an umbrella liability insurance policy 
is that it protects you from large claims of liability and lawsuits. This is the first one of this is one of the first forms of defense against uh, people who want to sue you and take your money. And so this is some of the upfront, extremely effective, very low cost protection in the asset protection world. As your assets grow and you become wealthier, you become more of a target for somebody to want to sue you for something that you have done wrong. This is mm -hmm. largely but not entirely a an American issue uh, where in the United States we have far more lawsuits. We have a much more litigious culture. Uh, attorneys are incentivized to go out and solicit people, to sue other people, etc. And so this brings a significant legal risk to protecting your wealth. And so when you go through the approach of how do you protect your wealth, there are a few basic things that everybody can and should do. If you've never listened to my series on asset protection planning for mere mortals, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that series. I can't remember 10 to 15 episodes, something like that, that I did on the subject okay. where I went through it. And I covered insurance fairly extensively in that, in that uh, show. But when you, are for, when you are protecting against your potential liability, the few, there are a few basic things that everybody does. So the first thing you do is you try to reduce your liability. You try to eliminate things that you do that could give rise to potential liability. So if you're currently in the habit of drinking and driving, stop it. Uh, use an Uber or a taxi because that lowers your liability. If you're currently in the habit of driving your fancy speedboat around the tiny lake in the back of your house where children are swimming and you drive it around at 75 miles an hour endangering the children, stop it because that's giving rise to liability. If you're currently in the habit of pinching the bottoms of your attractive co-workers, stop it because that's going to give rise to some sort of lawsuit. So you eliminate activities that could give rise to liability as best you can in order to protect yourself from the risk. The next thing you do is you insure against those risks that still exist. And so when you're driving an automobile, you are inherently doing a risky thing. You could drive over somebody and kill them. You could bang into somebody's car and damage it. You could drive over somebody's mailbox and destroy it. All of these things are, are potentially sources of liability. And so you insure against those. Yes, you try to drive carefully. You try to, to make sure that you don't drive fast where you run over somebody. You try to make sure you drive defensively so you don't um, bang into somebody. You put a dash cam on your car so you have good evidence of your careful driving uh, so that when the mailbox is damaged, you can prove that it wasn't your fault. Um, so you do the things that minimize the liability, but you also protect yourself with insurance. So you generally, in the U.S. system, you insure your car and you insure your house. So before you add umbrella liability, you increase the liability coverage of your insurance policies on your vehicles and on your homeowner's policy. Now, as your assets continue to grow beyond that, you will then look at what forms of protection are there. So for example, you'll maximize your exemptions, uh, any exempt assets that you can invest into, such as a 401k uh, or an IRA or a life insurance policy or home equity. These assets, depending on your state laws, may be exempt from the claims of creditors. And so this is a primary focus for you to, uh, this is a primary place for you to begin uh, with your actual plan of, of, of setting money into those buckets. 
As your assets grow, though, you'll start to accumulate assets that are not protected by those buckets, and you'll want more and more protection because as your wealth grows, you become a bigger target for lawsuits. A lawyer is not going to sue you if he thinks you're broke. So, But if it's obvious that you're not broke, then the lawyer is more likely to go ahead and help somebody to sue you. And so that's where umbrella liability insurance comes in because it's very, very inexpensive in terms of the actual cost, the premiums, but it's the first line of defense against the vast majority of liability that you might face. And so it can put in place a buffer of a million dollars, $2 million, $5 million of insurance that would be paid out if somebody sued you and won their case against you before your personal assets would ever be approached. So as your wealth grows, uh, I just commit to you the rule that was given to me by Ken Zahn when I was preparing for my CFP exam. He said, if you see on the CFP exam liability insurance as a, as a possible answer, then check that, tick that answer because no matter what, more liability insurance, excuse me, umbrella liability insurance. Let me rephrase that. If you see umbrella liability insurance as a possible answer, tick that box because more umbrella liability insurance is always the right solution. <laughs> so I submit that to you as a, as a useful heuristic. So the, if I understand correctly, effectively the uh, umbrella liability kicks in after your regular, like in the context yes. of a car accident, in the context of a something going wrong at your property. Yes. The first wave is absorbed by that insurance, and then whatever you know, okay, whatever is left will be covered through the liability one. Correct. Your insurance agent will help you to harmonize your insurance policies so that where the umbrella excuse me, where the liability coverage on your home ends, that's where your umbrella policy kicks in. It's the umbrella that goes over your other policies. And so you want to, you could have a donut hole in the middle, but generally speaking, you'll want to harmonize your liability limits so they work beautifully between your other liability coverages and your umbrella liability policy. Okay. And so how would you, just quickly, how would you advise me to go about, you know, uh, let's say I want to get one. How do I actually go about that? Because you talked about an agent and I'm used to online things still with, you know, Geico and other general online things. Start with the existing relationships that you have. Uh, even mm -hmm. if you are used to online things, then most of these companies with whom you interact will want to sell you umbrella liability coverage. And you will, and it's not possible, recognize it's not possible to buy insurance without an agent. Even if you're interacting with an online website, there's still licensed insurance agents who are selling you those policies. Right. What you should always consider, I give the same advice that I give generally to, to anybody, is interacting with in-person insurance agents is often an excellent idea. Because the market pressures of the online-only brokerages keep prices down largely across the board, but the agents, that's their job is still to serve you. And so the, 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 offer you, the choice you have is, do I want the commission that's being paid on this insurance policy to go directly to a company, or do I want the commission that's being paid to go to an individual who actually speaks to me? There are exceptions to this. And so if we moved into the property and casualty world, you'll have uh, sometimes uh, 
a, a company that only sells direct. So for example, USAA or Amica Mutual or some of these companies that are high quality companies and the only way you can work with them, they don't broker their business out. The only way you can work with them is to work uh, directly with the company. And so this exists at the high end of the market and also at the low end of the market. So if you have all existing relationships, just start by calling the company that you already work with and talking to mm-hmm. them. And even if you're not used to working with an individual, they will put a an insurance agent on the phone with you who can go through these options with you. And there may be some price breaks where you bundle your insurance policies together. Uh, that's where you start. Then absent that, uh, just look around in your area and call or, or talk to some liability insurance, property and casualty and liability insurance office or broker of some kind. And if you look around, you'll find people in your area and in your neighborhood that, that do that work and you can talk to them and they'll broker their business with a variety of different companies and you can review their quotes and compare that to what you have and see what is best for your situation. All right. Okay, that was very helpful. Thank you, Joshua. My pleasure. We go on to Andy in Indiana. Andy, welcome to the show. How can I serve you today? Hi, Joshua. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, my uh, general question is, do you have a good idea or a program that you'd recommend for determining um, what I'm good at and what I like? I find that generally I am fairly competent and fairly easygoing, so most of the jobs I've had have been successful at, and I haven't particularly hated, even if I don't love them. Um, I've been looking at moving within my own company or possibly even to a different company, and I have a hard time articulating, well, I'm good at this and I'm bad at that, or I really like this and I really don't. What uh, personality tests have you already taken? Any at all? Uh, I've taken strength finders. I've taken um, Enneagram. I think I've taken a couple others in the past. Oh, up um, True Colors. Um, I think is what that one's called. And have they not given you anything that was useful? I guess I've had trouble um, aligning that with actual work. Strength Finders is a little bit more um, oriented towards uh, the work that you do. And maybe maybe my question should be how do I um, how do I judge characteristics that make a particular job make you successful at a particular type of job? in specific um i just have uh not had much luck um in my own head saying like hey because i'm good at this i would be good at that you've listed several personality tests that i have not taken uh and so you probably have more insight even than than into the test than that i could specifically say It's been now probably six or eight years since I have carefully gone out and researched the marketplace on on these things. I did it in preparation for my career and income course, which I launched, again, probably six or seven years ago that hasn't been on the market for a few years. But when I did that, it uh, I went out and I did a careful survey of all the tests that were then in vogue and, and looked into them. But that knowledge is now... Uh, decaying. And the one that impressed me the most, but when I went through and took them all and, and studied them, the one that impressed me the most was the disc profile. And so if you haven't done that one, again, this is uh, yes, five years out of date, but that's the best one. You have taken that one? I have taken that one. I forgot about that one. Did it not give you any kind of 
career uh, categories? Uh, I did it through another program and it didn't, um, it di- I didn't get that, but maybe it would be available if I went back through their material based on my results. What had it, the reason I, the reason that one impressed me is I see there are two paths to this answering this question. Path number one is personal introspection and self-analysis. Path number two is external testing and advice. So I, when I was younger, I didn't know anything about path number two. Nobody gave me counsel to go and speak to a career counselor to take a battery of personality tests. I was kind of making it up as I went along. And so the way I engaged in introspection was I kept a running list of every job that I thought would be interesting to me. And I tried to take note of why I was interested in it. And I wouldn't censor myself or or choose based upon any external thing. So for example, I wrote on my list that I would enjoy being a barista at Starbucks. Why? Well, I enjoyed the coffee shop atmosphere. Uh, I just enjoyed being in Starbucks. I enjoyed the coffee shop atmosphere. I spent a lot of time there and I thought how pleasant it would be to be in just a, a, a friendly environment like this throughout the day. Uh, similarly, I at one point had on my list that I would enjoy working at Panera Bread. Why? Well, the same basic idea. I enjoy the atmosphere. But then I thought, well, I would also enjoy owning a restaurant uh, or owning my own place. Why? Well, because I enjoy the atmosphere. And I also, if I had my own restaurant or I had my own uh coffee shop, that would give me the opportunity to bring people together and facilitate fellowship within a community. And so I would see a great deal of purpose in that. But then I also quickly wrote that I don't have any interest in owning a restaurant because I don't like to work at nights and on weekends. So it would have to be a breakfast and lunch cafe if I did it, or I would have to find a solution. And so I would go around the world observing things. At one point, I had on my list that I should go and work for a large international hotel chain. Why? Well, I enjoy traveling and it's really fun. And I, I have to, you know, I'm studying international business at the time. And so this would be a pretty good application of international business. So if I go work for Hilton Hotels or Marriott Hotels, et cetera, then I have the opportunity to go among their hotels and work my way up through a corporation. And since I enjoy the travel industry based upon my personal experiences, this might be something that I would enjoy. Now, these are just a few of the silly entry, not silly, but these are just a few of the entry level uh, indications that I said, but I kept a lot of these. So another example, I read Tom Stanley's books, all of his books, and he repeatedly talked about the value of how a large blue collar business owner can often be the wealthiest guy out there. And so one of his business businesses that he talked about was the scrap metal business. You know, generally a guy who runs a scrap metal business can be exceedingly wealthy. People have no idea how much money he can make scrapping stuff. And yet he, uh, and yet he, uh, winds up, uh, he winds up, uh, having low expenses because he's just, he shows up to work in an old beat up F-150 and a pair of blue jeans and he makes a million dollars a year. And so I wrote that down. Hey, there's a cool idea that could make a lot of money, low, low, uh, competition, etc. So I just would keep these lists of any job or business that sounded interesting to me. I knew growing up, I loved listening to talk radio. And so I listened to a local talk radio station uh, in my town that was just a kind of a statewide 
or region within a few county area, but it was very successful. I'd listen to them all day long and they were a little bit uh, vulgar, but I really enjoyed the talk radio experience. I would listen to Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and uh, those were my two favorites when I was in high school. So I'm driving a tractor across a field listening to talk radio and I thought I could do that. Like I would enjoy that. Uh, and I like to write, I, I, I loved reading Tom Clancy books since I always imagined here's Tom Clancy sitting out with his computer creating this masterpiece of a novel. I would love that. I would enjoy being a writer. So those are just six, six examples that won't surprise anybody who's ever listened to my podcast because these are qualities that come through. What impressed me about the DISC assessment is that when I went through and took it, every single job that they suggested for me was either something that I had done or that I had on my list of things I would enjoy doing. And it was, and so that was what biased me to say, that's great, because I could have saved myself years of introspection if I had done that. So my first recommendation would be just engage in introspection and write down any job that you have heard of someone else doing, or that you've read in a novel or something that sounds something that's remotely interesting to you. And to the extent that it's possible, make a note of why it's attractive to you personally. Uh, you know, I, th I always thought it'd be fun to be a sheep herder. I saw the, 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 uh, sheep wagons that the sheep herders live in way out in the, in the boonies. And I thought I'd love to live in a little tiny wagon, be a, an old guy sitting out there reading books and watching the sheep that appeals to me. Well, I'm not going to go and be a sheep herder at this stage of my life, but it's still interesting to have made note of that so that maybe at a different phase of my life and career, I might incorporate more of that lonely hermit lifestyle into my, into my uh, approach. So if, if you're not getting any help with the external stuff, then engage in introspection. On the other hand, flip to the external stuff. If you have done your best in the DIY environment and you have not been able to discover a successful path, then it's the time, then it's the time to hire a professional to help you discover what things you might be skilled at. And I'm not that professional. I wish I were, but I'm not. Uh, and so you should take whatever you're paying me and you should save it up and go and hire a, some form of career counselor and go through that career counselor's battery of tests because somebody who is a professional in that field will have the insight into what can work and can provide you with, with more useful data. So I think both approaches can, can work well, but you've probably engaged in a lot of introspection because nothing that I've just said is anything you haven't heard before. You've done a good battery of tests and you're still wondering this question. So then that's the time when you need to go and hire uh, a professional career counselor and see what they might have to say and how they might guide you. Thanks. Um, any advice on how to find that sort of person or where to look for them or... Have you, have you ever heard anybody, I mean, have you ever tried uh, career counseling or career oriented uh, YouTube channels or podcasts or heard anybody advertising services through that for that venue? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, not more so than right. what you do. I would begin with a search of the podcast directories and I would just look around and see what career uh, what career-related podcasts are out there on a broad, general basis. I'm sure that some career coach somewhere has a great podcast, and I don't know what it is. I haven't looked for it, but I'm sure someone has it. I would also then go to YouTube, which I think is 
in many cases more fruitful. And I would search for maybe set up a new account uh, so that you can tweak the algorithm, set up a standalone uh, account, go and start searching for career-oriented uh, YouTube channels uh, or, or career counselors, and then let the algorithm feed you some results over the course of a few weeks so that you can kind of train it to, to give you the channels that you don't know how to search for. I would go and look for an association or organization of career counselors, a professional association of some kind. Uh, undoubtedly, there is some form of industry devoted to that with some form of certification. It may be something related to guidance counselors. So, for example, you think of guidance counselors at schools who are expected to have some exposure to the college environment as well as various career options. It may be something on a professional level or it may be some, some form of executive coaching. Uh, and so I would look for an organization that had some form of certification and then look for a listed directory of people and and try to see if there's a directory of people. And in something like this, I don't think it needs to be a local or regional person. It could be a national, any, anywhere in, in the nation. Uh, but there must be some form of organization devoted to that. And that's where I would uh, start my searches. Okay. Makes sense. Thank you. My pleasure. That concludes our Friday Q&A show. And uh, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to join me, we only had two callers to call in today, so we had plenty of time. So if you'd like to join me on next week's show, which will undoubtedly be much longer than this particular uh, episode, uh, please go to Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash radical personal finance, patreon.com slash radical personal finance. Sign up to support the show there, and I will be able to speak with you next week. Remember that this week is the last week that I have personal consulting uh, calls available for a time. And so if you are interested in that, I think I have three or four appointment slots left for this next week. Go to radical radicalpersonalfinance.com slash consult. Sign up for a personal consulting call 20% off this week. radicalpersonalfinance.com slash consult.